Hey guys, I'm Nick here with Tanner and Zach, and thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way, a podcast dedicated to sharing our passion for everything outdoors with listeners just like you. Whether it's talking about incredible trips we've been on, teaching you the best way to get your own adventure started, or talking with amazing guests about the incredible things they've done or places they've been. You can find it all here on the Voyager Way. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Voyager Way podcast. We are so freaking excited for another episode with, you can probably guess it, another absolutely badass guest. If you've ever seen the movie Top Gun with Tom Cruise, that is basically what this guy does for a living. He has a beautiful family at home with a wife and two young boys, and he recently received his wings in the Air Force, which is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, Zach Tanner and I had the privilege of going to high school with him growing up. <laughs> and when you put him and me back on defense together on the soccer field, rumor has it, our opponents sometimes refer to us as the brick wall. <laughs> Not only is this guy incredibly, absolutely killing it in his personal and professional life, but one of the main reasons we wanted to have him on the podcast is because of the plethora of outdoor adventures he has been on as well. This incredible human's name is Connor Amundsen, and we are so thankful he agreed to come on the podcast today. Connor, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Nick, Tanner, Zach, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Perfect. So do you just want to, I know it's kind of, especially with COVID going on right now, can you just give us a little bit of an update of where you're at, like Air Force wise, kind of leaning into this move that you guys have pretty quick here? Yeah. So right now my wife and I, and we have two sons, we're down in Northern Texas, Wichita Falls. Uh, we're at Shepherd Air Force Base. We moved down here about two years ago, maybe about a year and year and a half ago. I've been here since. I've gone to a few different places in the meantime while Sydney and the boys have either been at here in at Texas or have gone back home to Minnesota to hang out with family. Okay. Uh, but now we're getting ready to move to Arizona. So we'll move to Arizona here probably at the end of January. And nice. we'll do about a year there. And then from there, who knows where. Um, it's kind of like the military adventure, if you will, that some people really like. Some yeah. people aren't super huge on it. But uh yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. We're excited just because, uh, I don't know, something new, something different. And our family's growing. We're growing. Sydney already got a job in Arizona, which is awesome. So that's nice. kind of a huge part, I think, that a lot of people forget about is, oh, the military, you're traveling all the time. That's super, super cool. But if you have family, which obviously I do, it uh, definitely takes a toll on them. So she's been awesome about being able to find jobs, places, and, you know, finding friends. And she's even doing <laughs> something. She's standing across me right now in a, Pink robe, about to do the baby bottles. About there to you go. <laughs> smirking, but so yeah. is the is the Air Force pretty like? How is that transition? Are they pretty accommodating with kind of helping you with the moves and all that, like, and making it as, as easy as possible for you guys, or is it kind of a a strain every time? So it's moving, so it's a strain, but the military does what they can, but a lot of it's on you to still figure out and like get in contact with the right people. So the military has thousands obviously of resources right so yeah if yeah. we want we can have movers come and they will do everything for us which is great we the only expense that we pay is like if we want to get chipotle on the way to the new house right yeah. <laughs> um, when we get chipotle on the way to the new house yeah, yeah right and a lot of people will do it on their own and pack their own stuff and they'll get some money out of it um but okay. for us in our situation we usually I mean, when we moved down here, we had the movers move a lot of it. And we'll probably do the same thing here in January just because it, it makes it a thousand times easier. 
Um, but not to say it's not like they're just like, hey, Connor, we're going to come move all your stuff. It's a yeah. lot of work <laughs> to get everything ready. Yeah. But then we do all the heavy lifting. Cool. So you guys won't have to like move um, internationally at all. You guys will stay domestic, right? Not necessarily. Um, so how the military works, it all depends on your job, right? So uh, like Nick was saying, I fly, I'm a pilot. So we have places where we can go all over the world. My specific airplane that I'm going to fly, that's where we're going next in Phoenix, um, is the F-35, which right now we can either be in Vermont, about 30 minutes north of Salt Lake City, okay. and then um, Ileson, Alaska. And I'm smiling looking up at Sydney right now because, <laughs> uh, excuse me, Ileson Air Force Base in Fairbanks, Alaska. Okay, and, gotcha. Uh, super cool. I'm sure we'll get into this later talking about Alaska, but yeah, yeah. Alaska is an awesome place. It's hard to live there for three years with your family when, yeah. I mean, sure, I'm doing sweet stuff. I'm flying through the mountains at 500 feet off the ground and then when <laughs> really bad. They say, hey, pilots, you can go fly in Hawaii for two months, but family, your families, they'll just stay in Fairbanks where it's the sun comes up for four hours a day. In the oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, those are my oh, options. Sorry. There you go. Uh, I saw a video on your Instagram. It was you looking like you're flying the jet and the G-forces coming at you. Yeah. So, <laughs> Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Because I was I was laughing my ass off watching <laughs> that video. It was hilarious. I probably watched it like three or four times in a row. Yeah, so that's something that uh, you don't kind of expect or you think going into like, oh, I'm going to fly really fast. This is super cool. But when you're going that fast, um, gravity doesn't really entertain the idea of just doing a quick turn, like if you just wanted to turn around. Um, so what we have to do is we have to learn how to deal with the gravitational forces or G's like you were saying. So for example, when we're fighting another airplane, um, we can pull upwards of nine G's, which sounds insane, right? So nine G's is nine times the force of gravity, but technology has came along where we have items that we wear, different techniques of how we breathe, kind of like how we can help our body because essentially what the gravitational force is, is taking blood away from your brain. And we don't have blood in your brain. It's kind of hard to see. Right? So, <laughs> or your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's happening in those videos is, yeah, my face is being pulled down because those are the G-forces. And yeah, then we okay. breathe a certain way. We tense up certain muscles. Um, it's called the G-strain. So it sounds super dumb if you've ever heard the audio of it. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, what you got to do to stay awake and – yeah. And, and so it, it seems like, um, like a lot of the stuff obviously that they put you through is kind of testing your, I would assume like physical limits a lot just because you're dealing with a lot of different stuff in these airplanes. But can you talk, I don't know, I think Zach's brother, Mitch mentioned to me first, but it sounds like they're kind of testing your mental and physical, um, wits and body a couple was it about a month ago when they were dropped? I heard that they dropped you off in somewhere in Washington for four days with one meal and a rabbit. That's what I heard. Yeah. So I went to something called survival school, right? Um, okay. And the military in general just sends people that are in a position where you would potentially be caught by not so good dudes that may not treat you super well. Yep. And so uh, there are different levels of it. And I should probably preface this by like, there are certain things and not to sound super nerdy and, um, like a typical government person, but there are certain things that are classified, right? So I can't. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. everything, right? Yeah. Um, 
But so, yeah, what happened is when I was in, I was out in Washington state and we go through a lot of training beforehand. Um, it's called SEER, which stands for survive, evade, resist, escape. Gotcha. And COVID has kind of screwed a lot of the stuff up. So the course is sort of evolving, but yeah, towards the end of the course, they grabbed a bunch of us and they drove us out into the woods with minimal supplies is what I'll say. <laughs> and we had to figure it out. We did have instructors with us for the first few days and we kind of do some hands-on field experience. Like, Hey, here's how you do this. Um, everything that you could think of to survive, like how to build shelters, how to build yep. fires, how to acquire food, what to do with water. Um, really like you name it in terms of survival out in the woods. They did a really good job teaching us. I was actually blown away. Like I learned so many new things, Yeah, really cool things that you wouldn't even think of like, Oh, that does make sense. Cause if I'm, if it's 20 degrees out and I'm freezing, I can do this with my shelter to keep me warm and just crazy little things like that. And nice. then uh, the outdoor experience, if you will, the camping trip, yeah. um, the capstone was obviously the instructors leave and then you need to apply everything that you learn. And uh, it's not like a three hour exercise. So it goes overnight. And the really cool thing is they, uh, they do a good job of making it pretty realistic. <clears throat> so there are, not to get into too many details because a lot yeah. of it is um, for the people that are going to go through it in the future. You don't want to ruin it for them because for it's sure. a big learning thing where if someone yeah. tells you the answers, you're not going to get it, get anything out of it. But yeah, there are not simulated. There are actual enemies, if you will, obviously they're good guys, but flying yeah. helicopters overhead that are tracking you um, <laughs> have capabilities beyond just looking out their helicopter window and seeing you. Right. Yeah. Cause it's not like, it's not like it's, Oh, just go survive. It's like, if you're in, if you get put, or if you like, God forbid, get put in any of those situations, like in real life, you have to survive out, out outdoors and like, make sure you're not getting captured or caught or all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it just adds a whole nother layer to that. Yeah. So it's the survive escape or sorry, survive, evade, resist, escape. So yeah, it's like you're, you're running through the woods trying to get away from it because the situation is, Okay, you just ejected out of your airplane. Yep. You land. You can see dudes a couple miles away running at you. You going <laughs> right, and so yeah. that's how the scenario worked, man. When they dropped us off, it was okay. You guys get fifteen minutes or whatever it was, and then yep. we're coming to get you. Yeah, um, <laughs> so they do a really good job of role playing too, because the few weeks leading up to that, we do a lot of resistance training. So think of like the crappy things dude had to, dudes had to go through with like Vietnam. Yeah, uh, the different wars where dudes were taken prisoner. Um, they teach us all about that and then put us through a pretty brutal um, multi-day role play, if you will. Where gotcha. like, I, I think I'm a pretty uh, proud American, and they got yep. me to say things about America that I didn't even know I was saying about America. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like they would, you would say things that you think are harmless, and then they splice a video together, and they're like, "Look at this propaganda video that." Uh, that you just made saying how bad America is. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh. So again, a total like learning tool and some of the best training that a lot of people say they have when they go through yeah. the military. Like yeah. I was with some super, super killer dudes that um, they're called battlefield airmen, but they do like combat rescue. So when there's a really bad situation, these dudes going on helicopters and like save the dudes, bring them to hospitals, that sort of thing. But they even said, and their training is, it's on, on par with like Nate. It's like 
the Air Force's version of Navy SEALs, right? That yep. level of elite. And they were even saying like, that was some of the worst training we've had just because they do a good job of making it just so shitty, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> suck. And yeah. the, you're like, oh, it's just, it's terrible. Yep. But it's, that's part of, that's when you're going to get good at it, when you're going to learn how to survive. For sure. And so growing up, like in Minnesota and being, I would, I mean, I would, I would say you probably think you're a pretty outdoorsy guy. I know you guys were just like in your summers and all like your family did a lot of stuff, whether it was shooting or four wheelers, all that kind of stuff beyond the lake. Um, and then I know we've gone on a couple of boundary water trips together camping. Um, did you, was there a pretty big disconnect from you and any of like kind of the guys that you were with when you were like first learning this, like all this stuff in the woods or was it pretty, was a lot of the stuff so new that not, not a lot of people had experience with it. Uh, I would say there was a ton of stuff that was new, like simple stuff. Like I know how to build a fire, but they taught us how to build fires for certain scenarios. Like, Hey man, if you're trying to evade someone, here's how you want to build a fire. Oh, do you, do you need a lot of heat right now? Cause it's cold or do you want minimal smoke? Or no. Are you trying to concentrate this heat source just so you can cook something really quick? So the, the depths of what they went into over things that you think wouldn't be a big deal it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And the Minnesota concept of growing up, hunting, shooting, fishing, all that stuff. Uh, I honestly wish I did more. I was something that I did a lot with my grandfather growing up, who yeah. was also a pilot in the Air Force, kind of why I chose this career path. But we had a, a bunch of land up north in Park Rapids where we would go hunting every year. He was also he owned a few airplanes on the side where we would fly up to Canada to go fishing. Nice. Um and we did that. I probably went on six or seven fishing trips with him where the lake had one cabin and that's what we would go stay on. And then it would right. be left on the water for a week, which is just incredible. Yep. Um, but kind of. There was like the coolest thing that you learned over the course of like that training that you did. The coolest part of it. Or like um, the biggest like wow kind of factor that you learned. Yeah, I think I kind of lost some of this in college, but Zach, you and I were on a hockey team together. Nick, you and I played soccer together for so long. Um, Tanner, I know you can relate to this entirely with your sports background, but high school sports, at least for me, was a huge like brotherhood camaraderie aspect of it, right? And I lost a little bit of that in college just because people, I mean, you guys know this, everyone has their own schedule, right? No two people, for the most part in college, have like the same exact thing that they're doing. Um, so I lost a ton of that in college and you don't even realize it. And then you go through something super, super shitty with, <laughs> dude. um, and that kind of like the last night our exercise was over. Um, and we thought we were going back and the instructor's like, Hey, no, all you dudes, you got to make camp again. We're going to go down and stay in our trailers. We'll be back at like 8 AM to pick you up. And then we'll <laughs> we're like, what? So we had just this huge fire and we stayed up till like 1am and everyone was just telling stories about ridiculous things. Cause there was maybe four or five groups of anywhere from like a few people to seven or eight people. Yep. And then we just all came together and told ridiculous stories about things that had happened or like when the helicopter was chasing us, we dove into this and he tripped and fell into the river and we had to reach down and get like just ridiculous stories. And that's when you kind of like, it all comes full circle. You're like, yeah, it sucked, but you're with a bunch of dudes who also were going through the suck. And like in the moment, you're just, you're looking out for one another. And at the end of the day, you have awesome memories with good dudes. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's so true is like the shitty situations that when it kind of brings out like the memories that you make kind of helps create those. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I still so, remember we went. Sorry to cut you off, Nick, but when yeah, we yeah. did the water strip with Mitch, uh, I'm not a huge sloppy Joe guy, but <laughs> on like once you've been walking all day and canoeing and stuff like that, yeah. he made sloppy Joes, and I was kind of hesitant. And then he put peanut butter on the bread. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no way, dude. And I, ate it. Dude, I told that story to so many people when I was out in the woods for the last, the last couple months, like. I even brought up, remember how stoked I was to get Chinese food at the end of our Boundary Waters trip? That was messed up, yeah. <laughs> Literally in the woods, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get some Chinese food <laughs> when we get back. But yeah, so totally I, the story that I tell a bunch of people from that trip is, um, I think it was Brady and Mitch, and did they bring, no, because you just had, uh, what's your pup's name, the one that we brought with? Yeah, Stella. Stella, Stella, that's right, yeah. So I think it was Brady and Mitch and Mitch's tent and then you and I and Stella in our tent. And it was the last night and we, we knew it wasn't going to rain. So we had the rain fly off. Um, and we were kind of looking, it was pretty, it was pretty dark, but the stars were out and everything. And we were looking into the woods and I think you asked me, it's like, what would the scariest thing be that could come out of the woods right now? And like, we're like bears, like a big wolf or whatever. And I'm like, no, a person. Like, yeah. what, if, what yeah. if a person came out of the woods right now and you're just like, why would you say that? Like, yeah. that's just like ruin the whole freaking trip. Um, but so I guess, I don't think, I know you haven't been. Have you been up to Alaska at all? I haven't been there yet. Yeah. No. So what, definitely like a bucket list thing that I for sure want to do. I'm sure like Zach and Tanner do too. But can you just explain like how different being in like the Minnesota woods, boundary wires and that kind of stuff. And then- well, A, why, why you've chosen to go up to Alaska. I don't, I don't know if you guys have like connections up there um, and just like how it's like how that, well, obviously it's giant, but how it's like just different up there, like the woods and the wilderness and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I got really, really lucky after my freshman year of college, I got an internship with Alaska Airlines. Um, the only reason why I got that internship was because at my grandfather's funeral. So again, it's crazy how like all this can just tie back to one person doing stuff. Yep. But my grandfather had a group of kids that he mentored when he was a pilot. I shouldn't say kids are college dudes. Yep. And um, one of the dudes wanted to be a pilot in the military, but couldn't, he got disenrolled because he had bad vision or bad hearing. I think it was bad hearing. Okay. And he couldn't afford to pay for his flight training, just like yep. through a civilian place at a local airport. So my grandfather paid for his flight training. Um, and then Man. that dude ended up becoming the chief pilot, which is like, the highest level of pilots for Alaska Airlines. Wow. Um, I had no idea about this guy. And I met him at my grandpa's funeral. And one thing led to another. And he's like, hey, man, if you want an internship, uh, let me know. And all those pilot internships that they were giving out at the airline, it was like dudes who had a few hundred hours of flying that were getting ready <laughs> to graduate and go fly for like a smaller, say like Horizon Air or yeah. – um, just like those small American Eagle, right? Those baby regional jets. And so then they hire me who has no flight time and people are kind of like, <laughs> um, but I had an incredible deal where, uh, so I was based out of Seattle. I lived with this dude and his family. I lived in their basement in Seattle and every, really every day if I wanted to, but every weekend, absolutely. I could, I can fly for free, right? So I could fly because I was a pilot intern. I could fly in the jump seat, which is the seat that sits between both pilots up front, yep. or I could fly in the back as long as there's a seat available. And so the first weekend I flew to San Diego to see some friends who are in the Marines and yeah. we went, hung out on the beach, play golf, did crazy things. The next weekend, <laughs> 
I went to Arizona and saw my grandparents. Um, and then I was like, okay, I should like do some stuff. And so a couple yeah. of the other interns and I, we started, I had a really cool gig while I was at work where yeah. I could just talk to all the pilots. And a lot of them were still living up in Alaska. They just come to Seattle for a couple of days for some training and cool. just some amazing dudes were like, Hey man, you come up to Alaska. Uh, you can stay at my house for a couple of days and I'll show you around. So I did trips. Some of the trips that I did, like I would fly from Seattle to Anchorage Anchorage to King Salmon, Alaska, both on Alaska jets. And then I would, I had to pay for a charter float plane to fly me to this crab facility on like the deadliest. <laughs> and I stayed with this dude who his wife was the hiring manager at Alaska. I'd never met this guy. Yeah. And I stayed with him for a week. It was in Alitak, Alaska, A-L-I-T-A-K. You should look it up. It's great. <laughs> dude, there were places that week that I explored that no man has ever set foot. <laughs> um, yeah. And when I walked around, I had a 45 with me all the time because it's, I forget the number, but it's staggering the percentage of Kodiak brown bears that outnumber the humans that live there. Like, really? it's, it's insane. Um, yeah. I got from, I was five feet away from bears digging in the water, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> that bears, for the most part, um, they don't view other humans as a threat because they like, it was never a lot of, a lot of those places you can't hunt bears. A lot of, a lot of places. Yeah, you can, but, um, and bears have plenty to eat up there. You know what I mean? I was up there yeah. in the middle of summer. There's plenty of salmon. Um, so that was one trip, which was just absolutely incredible. I don't like pickles, but they had <laughs> pickled crab. That was like crab that was caught that morning. And it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. You're and not going to have better crab than that ever. Yeah. And then yeah. I did another trip with a pilot that I just met where he had a cabin in King Salmon. So I another weekend I flew Seattle to Anchorage, Anchorage King Salmon with this guy. I stayed at his house in Anchorage night before. Never really hung out with – met this dude. He was like 55. And yep. then myself, him, and two of his buddies who are also old dudes, we got <laughs> to the airport, this tiny little King Salmon airport. His pickup truck won't start, so we hitchhiked down the road for like four miles, got to the <laughs> cabin, which was the size of, I don't know, nothing. You could barely fit four dudes in it. Yeah. And we would go fishing for king salmon for three or four days. And there's a picture, like probably one of the coolest pictures I have up in Alaska. I'm holding this king salmon. I've only fished in Minnesota, right, where if you land – I don't know, a decent sized pike, you're feeling good. Dude, yeah. these salmon were 35, 45 pounds. <laughs> and the picture, I'm holding it up and you wouldn't be able to tell, but it was 1130 at night because it's middle of the summer in Alaska and it looks like it's oh. yeah. And So these dudes who I, again, this kind of going back to what you're saying about if you're with good guys, like it's yep. fun. And these guys, I had no idea who they were. They had no idea who I was. But I just kind of like hopped in on their little annual fishing trip um, tradition that they do. Caught some killer salmon. <laughs> never done before. Yeah. And like there were a lot of precautions we had to do to make sure the bears wouldn't come and get you. Like where you cut your fish, where you threw oh, them. And yep. then we did one, the last part of that trip, we took his boat, which was the fishing boat of all fishing boats. And when I say the fishing boat, I mean like an aluminum tin that just had a motor on the back. <laughs> <laughs> about it. And we, we 
boated like two hours to get to it's called Brooks Falls. If you look it up, it's a really cool place where bears are everywhere and you can yeah. get super close to them. I took some amazing photos there. And at one point we were fly fishing and I heard from like over the hill, like anglers, there's a bear heading your way. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And like 15 feet away from me here, bear comes tumbling out of the woods, jumps in the water. And I didn't know what to do. I've never done this. And the guy standing next to me was like, Connor, cut your line. Connor, cut your line. And so I just, I bring the line up, cut it because the bears hear the salmon slapping on the water. Yep. Like, oh, sweet, a free lunch. And so they just come out and grab your salmon. And if you're bringing that salmon in, <laughs> follow the line in right to you. <laughs> Where, where's it going here? Yeah. yeah. So then that was an incredible experience. And on our way back, the boat ran out of gas because one of the dudes forgot to fill up gas. And we were in this, <laughs> this, this lake makes Malax look small, right? This lake is huge. And yeah. we didn't have to do it on cell service. So a lot of the people that would go to Brooks Falls, they would charter in a really expensive float plane. So we ended up waving down a float plane that came <laughs> right. on the water next to us and was like, guys, what's going on? And we were like, yes. <laughs> and we were sitting there for, I don't know how long, maybe three or four hours. Yeah. Um, and then they coordinated with someone who brought a bunch of gas out to us, but like just incredible stories. And now going back to your original question after I kind of got off on a tangent there, yeah. the difference I'd say between Alaska and Minnesota wilderness is, even though it may not seem that way, and you guys probably feel this way by going up to Canada, you're for the most part, you're still in control in the Minnesota wilderness. Like if something yeah. goes bad, you're not too far from help. There really aren't a lot of huge predators that could mess you up pretty bad. Dude, in Alaska, you are not the top of the food chain. Like, <laughs> there, there are animals that will kill you no problem. And there are like difficulties that you can face that if you don't have either the proper equipment or the training or the know-how, you will die. Yeah. Period. Die. Which is yep. kind of scary to think because um, I, I, was, I was not in a good position to be doing some of the exploring I did when I was there. But yeah. I had a blast, dude. I, I went back. My family and I did a Alaska cruise where like each okay. day we'd stop off and go into a different town, which is a different side of Alaska that I've seen, but still a ton of fun. Yep. If you have any interest in outdoors – I think a summer in Alaska, you would absolutely love a winter. If you're a big like winter outdoorsman, you would love, you would just find a new appreciation for uh, <laughs> the gear out there that keeps you warm and that sort of thing. But yeah. personally, I haven't done a winter up in Alaska, um, which is a lot different than a summer, but it won't, I don't think it'll change my opinion about how I would feel going to Alaska and I've already covered like the whole family living situation in Alaska, which is a lot different. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's the cool thing that even, I mean, we've talked about before on some of our, our Voyager trips where you just run into people that are on like doing those kind of trips as well. Well, you, you've obviously never met before. Like I know Tanner, you talked about those guys that you met. Um, and it's usually like, it's usually on the rivers up there. Cause it's, I mean, nobody wants to portage a shit ton like for a vacation. So usually they just like jump on the rivers and then do that. So I know the year that I guided the trip, we met some guys that were in the same kind of thing. They were probably in their forties or fifties, but the East just had one single um, whitewater kayak to themselves, just jam packed with gear. And they were just ripping down the rapids, dude. And like they'd go through a couple things that we would definitely with the canoes, we'd portage around. And then like, we, cause we knew the dudes were up, up ahead of us in the river, like up river from us. 
And so sometimes we'd stop and he'd catch up to us. Like, there's no way that they're going to, that they're going to shoot that. Like, I don't even think you could shoot that, but they'd get out. They kind of scout a little bit and they'd get back in their boats and just dude, rip down some free fly. Yes, dude. They would just like almost like waterfalls that you're like, how the heck are these dudes doing it? So I feel like if you find the right group of people, and even when you're not even looking for that right group of people, like you said, like if you just, you didn't know half the people, you didn't know like anybody when you were going to Alaska, but like if you put yourself in that situation where you're with people who enjoy being outside um, and doing that kind of stuff, then you're usually in pretty good company, I feel like. Dude, and the cool part about that company too is I've yet to come across a guy who's like into that sort of thing, I should say guy or gal, who yeah. isn't all about showing other people their experiences. Like the people, sure. they're bending over backwards, right? They're letting me yep. stay in their homes, introduce me to their family. Um, I had another trip where I went up to another island in Alaska where it was there's the biggest Coast Guard base. It's in Kodiak. And um, it's is a C-130 Coast Guard pilot who, like, prior to that, he was a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. Like, dude, was a badass. And there's this mountain in Kodiak that people, that the Coast Guard swimmers climb as, like, one of their endurance things. And, again, I met him in Alaska, or I met him in Seattle because he was a pilot for Alaska Airlines. He's like, yeah, dudes, I'm back home from this state to this state. Come up. And myself and two other interns went up. We got this like little Holiday Inn Express <laughs> off the, right off the water in Kodiak. And he came and picked us up. He brought us, showed us around the Coast Guard base, let us hop in all their jets and in their helicopters. We went on a couple hikes, went out to dinner with him and his wife. It's the only time I've ever had sushi, actually, if you can believe that or not. And <laughs> sushi was like the fish that they were catching and the materials they were using. We saw them, we saw it coming out of the water from the table we were sitting at. Like, it didn't get faster than that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, in Alaska, the, like your favorite place you've ever been, or is there somewhere else that you maybe flown to or just been in general that you think was better than Alaska? Um, dude, for the outdoor stuff, you can't beat it. Um, yeah. Like, we've sit, my wife and I, we did uh, our honeymoon, we went to Italy and that was amazing. It was beautiful. Some of the towns, the places, the stuff like that that we did. But it's like comparing apples and oranges, right? You can't compare the two. So um, my wife is not a huge outdoorsman. Uh, <laughs> but, like she's all for doing new things, trying new adventures. But that just really isn't her alley, if you will. Yeah. So I would say in terms of cool places I've gone, dude, the stories I always end up telling people when it gets brought up, it's like, Alaska right yeah. or maybe I did a I did five weeks in Kenya which was pretty so it was it was incredible yeah. um but again just so so different yeah. um that you can't even you can't compare yeah you mentioned um like flying in the mountains in Alaska how fast so I forget the name of the plane that you're flying was it f-35 correct yeah how fast can those go I'm just curious yeah, so I believe I classified. <laughs> you can Google it, but there obviously are things that we make public and things that we don't, right? Yeah. Um, so there are num so like to today, for example, I flew. Um, and I probably hit four hundred fifty knots, which you could equate that to it all depends upon like air pressure 
temperature, yeah. blah, 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 rotation of the earth, whatever you have. Um, but roughly like 500 miles an hour, I think. And oh, when we do our low levels, so flying near the ground, um, that will be about the same. So it's it's kind of crazy. And I wish – I've what's that? What's a commercial airline go just for like – to compare it to something? You know? Yeah, a lot slower. Um, <laughs> but the commercial airlines are always concerned about fuel. So that's their biggest oh. thing. So uh, if – a lot of people don't realize this. If a, a commercial airline, yes, they care about getting you there on time, but they're going to do what saves the company money in the long run. Yeah. So when, when a commercial airline gets up to altitude, they figure out what the winds are. And yes, it's important to make it on time because they have a lot of metrics that measure that, but yep. they have formulas that they use to figure out the best speed to fly compared to the fuel that it's burning to then get yeah. to people where they need to go on time. Because yep. I, mean, I mean, any airliner could just plug it in. Technically you can't go above the speed of sound, which is Mach 1. Okay. Mach all depends upon air characteristics and that sort of thing yep. too. Yep. Um, but for example, like when an when a commercial airline plane lands, they're probably going anywhere from like 50 to 75 miles an hour. I think a hundred probably be too much slower than us. Um, but it really just all depends. Like we have waivers to fly faster than what is technically legal in the United States because a lot of military aircraft, they weren't built to fly slow. So it's unsafe to fly them slow. Um, and gotcha. so like, that's why, for example, there's a rule where like below 10,000 feet, you're only supposed to go X amount of knots. And we yep. go more than that because it would be unsafe if we went yeah, to that. Just wanna work. Yeah. That's gotcha. insane. Yeah. And so talking about, um, kind of going way back when you're talking about growing up and doing a lot of stuff with your grandpa, a lot of these outdoor trips, how having just started a family and is, is Ryland's birthday in December? Yeah. And he's almost two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you, you guys just had another little boy, like how, or have you thought about like kind of how much you want to prioritize, like getting your guys outside, like when they're growing up and doing that kind of stuff and being used to getting dirty. And I know they're probably doing that already since they're one and two years old, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's so two things of that. It's funny that you bring that up because just the other day I was thinking how, um, there was a lot of stuff that I, with my grandfather that I would never have done if it wasn't for him. So all the fishing, if yep. he wouldn't have me that, I would have never fished. All the hunting, that's the only time I ever hunted with him, right? Like yep. I was thinking about that, talking with an instructor here that lo and behold knew my grandpa, right? Like yep. it's crazy how small <laughs> the world is. Um, and he said, my grandpa and his buddies were the reason why he be- wanted to be a military pilot. So just nuts. Um, yep. But he was telling me he has a bunch of land here that he deer hunts. Um, and he has grandkids that he's taking deer hunting and all that sort of yeah. stuff. So um, I would love to be in an opportunity to do the things that my grandfather did for me for both my children and my grandchildren. Like the, I don't think people realize it when, like when you're growing up, you are creating these memories with your grandparents or even with your parents that you tell stories about when I'm 26 now. Right. Yeah. And I'm telling stories about things I did when I was seven and they were I, I don't know. I, I feel sorry and I feel terrible for the people that either don't have grandparents or parents in their lives where they aren't given those opportunities. Cause it's such a cool thing to look back on. And even when they're gone, like my grandparent or my grandfather has been uh, dead for 
seven years now, but I yeah. still we think about them every day, right? And so yeah. to leave that sort of impact on me, of course I want to leave that impact. And it kind of sure. starts, and this is the other thing I want to tie it into. Obviously, I'm not taking my kids deer hunting now. They're not even two years old. But the little things, yeah, yeah. Cindy and I go on walks almost every day. And yeah. it's crazy how we've told other parents, new parents that have kids, like, if your child is ever having a really bad time, just take them outside. It's yeah. crazy how kids, and we have the luxury of doing this in Texas because it's usually pretty nice, yeah. but kids just like their com their composure changes once they get outside. There's new things to look at. There's new sounds. There's all sorts of different things, which I think is just the cool parallel between a child loving the outdoors and an adult still appreciating all that the outdoors has to offer because it no. doesn't compare to sitting inside, watching TV, watching no. a movie, even sitting on your computer, that sort of thing, because there's just so much that has that it has to offer. Yeah. And I feel like that and even just speaking of like you just having young young boys, I feel like just developmentally wise, like it I don't know if that's I said that right, but like just how they're developing, like getting them outside and being active and doing stuff, like I feel like that just can't be overstated how important that is, like just for their motor stuff and just everything. If you want like your kids to grow up, like just being able to be as physically healthy and fit as they can, like, I don't know how else you do that other than get them outside. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. a nice break for mom and dad too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we have a fenced in backyard and we have a pat we have patio <laughs> furniture and we can just hang out while they go crazy in the backyard. Like Rylan nice. loves the hose right like we have little pool toys like all sorts of stuff that kids just go crazy for um and yeah i think it's a total total mood swing and i know some people buy into this a lot more than others but like i don't want to say i'm not so much talking about seasonal depression that sort of stuff but it's crazy how much weather can have an impact on your mood or at least for myself and Cindy and i have talked about this a ton where yeah, when you go outside and it's gloomy and cold and it's shitty, that's not a good way to start your morning. When yeah, you walk yeah. outside and it's beautiful, like that's a it's a great way to start your morning, right? Yeah. So how is the weather down there right now? Is it still like really hot? <laughs> yeah, it was seventy five today. Um, it was pretty windy actually. It's super windy, but uh, it's beautiful. It's supposed to be seventy nine, eighty tomorrow, which actually is a little abnormal. It's usually a little bit colder. Um, I think last year we got a few days of snow. But that snow has gone like that. And the state of Texas and a lot of states on here aren't prepared to deal with snow. Yeah. So usually what's <laughs> happening is people go crazy, the world's about to end, that sort of thing. And like <laughs> base gets shut down, roads get shut down, no one knows what to do. It's like madness driving <laughs> and oh, it's pretty crazy. So it's like That's you why don't even know. That's why you have a plane, right? Just yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised how incapable a lot of airplanes are just to fly when it's cold out because when your wings ice over, then you can't really fly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, dude, cool. Texas is great. We like Texas. Arizona is going to be a little bit warmer, we hear, but people say it's a dry heat. I think uh, 110 degrees is hot no matter how dry it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. All right, Connor, we know how busy you are with work and family life right now, so we can't thank you enough for making some time for us this week. Um, and we look forward to kind of having these conversations in the future, hopefully, and we wish you the best of luck on your future endeavors. Yeah, thanks, dude. It was good talking to you all, and yeah, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Cool. All right, say hi to the family for us. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager Way podcast. 
Follow us on social media at The Voyager Way for more content from all our outdoor adventures and plenty of how-to videos to get you started on some adventures of your own.